Welcome to Galaxy Brains. The weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. Yo, I'm here with no fear, so I'm jumping feet first. I'm flowing like a river, ever glowing. I deliver something golden from a quiver made of moments from the giver. Yo, when I talk, hear a block, drip and drop. Bitcoin's a clock, you can hear it tick and talk. I'm trouble. See me bursting like a bubble, and I'm thirsting when I'm working on the camera like Hubble. Flip a couple doubles when I'm finna sing, man. Hanging with the one and only guy, Tim Grant. I'm crazy on the mic, you could call me swim fan. Cause I throw you in the pool, laughing while you sink, man. Bing bam, never messing with the ring. And you better not miss when you're coming for the king, man. Battle me. Haters never rattle me, I never need to mess around and call it in a cavalry. As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne, head of firmwide research at Galaxy Digital. Thank you for listening to Galaxy Brains. We have a great show today. Tim Grant is our guest, head of Europe, Middle East, and Africa at Galaxy. He's back from across the pond to give us the update on what's happening in Europe and around the world. And we'll check in with our good friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading, as always, to discuss markets and macro. But before we get into all of that, I need to remind you to please refer to the link to the disclaimer in the podcast notes and note that none of the information contained in this podcast represents investment advice or an offer recommendation or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Oh man, this is a beat from 2010. It's kind of a banger. I think we should get right into the show. Let's go now to our friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading. As always, Bimnet, great to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we have what's going on in the market. We got some interesting stuff. Today's Wednesday, uh, yep. July twelfth. Uh, we had the CPI numbers. Uh, the, what what happened? What, what do they look like? Yeah. So we had a pretty soft inflation print. Um, it was lower than expected. Core month on month printed a point two versus expectations of a of a point three, uh-huh. um, and the unrounded was was low as well. Um, the key components that were dragging um, on uh, these inflation figures relative to expectations, at least, uh, were things like airline prices and uh, used autos. Inter- and airline prices are down? That's I what believe, I think. It's yeah. not, it looked like a lot, like double-digit percents. Uh, they're, they're, so I, just, they're, I don't know if I'm seeing that. Yeah, so they're, there's... They're, they're, like on the ground? There's a healthy amount of disillusionment over a lot of the government data that's yeah. published. Fair. Um, yeah. You know, take, for example, like the owner's equivalent rent stuff and just the housing figures in the in the cpi data right folks are like yeah we were already expecting that to come down because we know it's a a lagging indicator and so you know how much weight do you put on it knowing that it's lagged and people were already expecting it to come down right um but i think the most important takeaways that you know from this report um is that you know inflation is headed in the right direction um, and that you are seeing um, drops in prices in areas of the economy that are sensitive to interest rates. Um, but outside of that, um, it's a, a little bit trickier. In addition, I think uh, a couple of things that are notable are, you know, you're going to start to lose some of the base effects that you had earlier this year. You're not going to be losing like really high prints from a year ago as you add like numbers going forward. I mm-hmm. think that's very notable. Um, I also do think that that housing is actually starting to rebound a bit um, and that you might eventually start seeing, you know, rents t- ticking up a bit. And high level, like rents are still going up like six, seven, eight percent a year. Right. That's a lot. That is not sustainable. That's crazy. And the Fed is actively trying to tackle that. And that has not gone away. And, you know, just if you think about, you know, parts of the economy, like the service sector of the economy is, is, is still really hot. Um, so all in all, like this is a soft inflation number. But one, I don't think it's going to deter the Fed from hiking in July. Um, two, you know, there are aspects of the economy that are starting to show signs of reinflating, and that is going to be a constant fear um, for um, you know the Fed and and, and market participants. Yep. Um, anyway, you know, besides 
this sort of one soft reading. Um, you know, I think the price action afterwards was pretty notable. You had a pretty dramatic uh, rally in fixed income. You know, the belly of the, the U.S. curve rallied, you know, 15, 16, 17 basis points. Um, that was pretty dramatic. And, and the dollar uh, dollar index is off over a percent today. Yeah, so it's down. The dollar was coming down. Coming down pretty, pretty hard. Um, one, that's a function of renewed speculation that the BOJ is going to uh, increase their the, the ban that they allowed the 10-year to trade in by another 50 basis points. So, you know. BOJ getting hawkish fears. Um, and then, too, it's like the U.S. rates went down a lot. And right. this could be the end of the Fed hiking cycle. And some folks are saying, you know, the hike in July is, could be the last one because we have disinflation. And it's not a bad thing to have, you know, inflation coming down and people still having jobs. Like, that's a, a, right. a an okay scenario. The labor market looks great right now. It's if the labor market tight. looks great and prices come down, then it's, it's pretty much nailed awesome. it. Yeah. However, that's just not likely. I know. I hear you. So uh, it, it's uh, just like people people get ahead of themselves. I just like this. You've been talking. You use the word inflation, and then yeah. you you correctly and interestingly, I want to point out, use the word disinflation to describe the growth in inflation coming down. Right? Yes. So the deceleration it's not, it's not, it's of not price increases. Disinflation. It's not un. It's not negative inflation. It's still the presence of inflation. This is the thing that I just like. I know yeah. people know this, but like. Some people don't really get this when we no, say like inflation is coming the down. The rate of price change, price increase is yeah. still increasing. Yes, it's increasing more slowly. On a compounded, annualized basis, we need to actually get to like two or three percent. Yeah, don't we need to have like negative months? Months where I, where inflation is negative. In theory, to get to the two. That's what I'm saying. To get so to like, the two, yes. Like, so I guess it's but, good that we're like 0.2 and not 0.3. That's yeah. We're getting pretty close to zero, I guess, on a month yeah. over month. Yeah. Right. But, but like, it depends on how you slice it, it and dice it, it too. Yeah. Like, okay. Like electronic prices, like are down a lot this year. Right. I mean, I was on Best Buy. I think I saw a 42 inch TV that was 150 dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know, that I got stuff. Really upset. That stuff is down. The 55 inch. Uh, Samsung I bought like five years ago, yeah. which is still a good TV. It's half the price that it was then. Half. It's, right? It, but it's like people already have TVs. Do they need them? No, I know. And like, they also last that, a long time, too. Yeah. Um, the other thing to think about is like you do have student loan payments starting right, uh, up right. again, at least the federal student loan payments. And that's a pretty sizable. Is that September? Or October I think it's or I, I think it's either August or September or October. It's yeah. it's within. I think I think I actually think it's September. Yeah. Um. But I think the average U.S. person has about five hundred and fifty dollars worth of of monthly payments to make. So that's n income that is currently discretionary going to become. Yeah. It, it, it will go straight payments. from like income to right. You know the 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 loans or will come from excess savings. Right. Um. And that should be a drag. Yeah. Um. But. You know, again, like, like if you look at, you know, what's been happening, like, corporates like raise prices as long as people keep paying it. And people keep paying it because they still have jobs and people still spend because they have credit cards and they yeah. have room to run and they don't want to change their their lifestyles and stuff. And so, you know, there is a, you know, a cycle where this stuff continues and persists. And you know, a warning sign was last week when you had ADP report four hundred plus thousand job gains, although the the actual, you know, BLS report on Friday reported less. They did show uh, a pretty material increase in average hourly earnings, and you're still running like 4% plus in um, average hourly earnings, like inflation, right? And so, uh, like the labor market's hot. People have pricing power in the labor market. And so it's really tough to see a scenario where, where this stuff really cools off. Yeah.
Um, hence why, like, I think today's probably an overreaction, um, if anything. I mean, stock's going up to the dead highs of the year. Is that where we went this we morning? We went up to wow. 4520 in uh, S&P. Wow. Yeah, and uh, NASDAQ also hit so, so fresh you're, you're year saying dead it's, highs. So you're saying it's over, like, it, the, the market in your opinion, was taking it as, is taking an overly bullish view because it's like, yeah, okay, it's it came in under expectation, but it's still sticky. It's yeah, like, well, I think the most important thing is that, you know, the threat of reinflation is very real and the Fed is hyper aware of that risk and they are that's why going they to stay cut. higher for longer Yeah, because, you know, that's what the economy necessitates. And you just look around the world like, Bank of England, they thought they had it in, and then it's like, oh, no, inflation's back, yeah. right? Like, That's RBA and we, BOC, we they quietly, stopped, and then they kept going. I know. We really need to, like, the, you got to quietly, like, stuff this monster back under the bed, right? You don't want him reappearing. All right, we're all calm. Yeah. Um, that's got to be a really traumatic. Okay, real quick, too. I mean, Bitcoin looks like it's been mostly pinned. You see yeah, the clock absolutely. behind me around, like, the mid-30,000s. Mm -hmm. We've been chopping around for, like, Almost, I think maybe three weeks at this point, basically yeah. between like 30 and 31. Yeah. Um, with a couple little dips and pops. But um, what do you think? I mean, for the what's your view on just your directionally on Bitcoin at this exact moment? You know, given we've got what Gox repayments in, in the fall, there was we just the, there was some um, Silk Road Bitcoins were moving, I guess, to be TWAP sold by the DOJ probably. Yeah. Currently. I don't know what else. Like, what's your. So my stance, my, on this my, my stance is, you know, I do think that there's a healthy amount of long positioning that is in Bitcoin. And that's why, um, you know, the rallies have been less than spectacular over the past couple of weeks because yeah. it trades like a crowded position. Yeah. Right. Like folks have this on, whether it's in spot option form, whether it's in crypto related equities or, you know, whatever it may be, basically since the Bitcoin it's ETF great, news came out, all crypto year. assets have done well. Yeah. And it's already up like almost 90% on the right, year, right? right? So it's a really crowded trade that's done really well. That's at the dead highs. And like you're in terms of the next positive catalyst, like when are we going to get more ETF news? Probably in <laughs> uh, weeks, weeks at least. And so yeah. there, there's an absence of catalysts. Yeah. And then we got a negative catalyst today that we weren't expecting, which, right, is, which is the Silk Road government tokens, uh, right. you know, being Moving sold. You know, that's, you know. And, and we know, and, and this is like they announced in March, they had about 50,000 coins to sell. Yeah. And they said they'd be doing it in tranches over the next yeah. like year, which they've basically been doing 10,000 and a quarter, quarter it yes. looks like. So, yeah. so the, yeah. here's their next tranche here. But that didn't really, you know, it's it hasn't yet, but there. it's a long day and Bitcoin has That's moved true. down, um, you know, probably 400 points on, on this yeah, stuff. You're right. Yeah, right. Um, you know, so uh, it's tough. It's tricky. I do think that, uh, like, the ultimate direction is higher. I've never been, you know, I, I'm very confident that this stuff is, is going to trend higher through, through year end. Yeah. Um, but right here, right now, fuel's a little crowded. You're at resistance, and it's at year, yeah. year date highs. So I think what you're supposed to do is just make sure your positions are measured. Yeah. Um, in addition, you know, uh, take advantages of, of dips in vol to, to maybe put on some, some upside structures. Uh, I also do think that the downside in Bitcoin is, is certainly limited now. With this looming ETF news, I think the bottom, uh, like on crazy risk off headlines, is like at least north of 25K yeah. for me now. Um, and so, you know, it definitely feels like a market that's trending. And um, long story short, trends your friend.
Buy on dips, sell on rallies. There you go. Uh, Bimnet Abibi, our friend uh, from Galaxy Digital Trading. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Let's go now to our guest, Tim Grant, Galaxy's head of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Tim, our friend, great to have you back on Galaxy Brands. It's always a pleasure, Alex, and you know it. <laughs> Welcome back to New York, too. Tim uh, lives in the UK. Uh, how's it been going with Rishi Sunak as prime minister? I know that, uh, let's start right there, because yes. um, a lot of interesting stuff happening in the UK, and, and you were just telling me something really interesting about Rishi's upcoming election and what he's planning to do with Web3. Uh, look, we, we talk with the UK government at various levels. You have to, if you're, if you, you know, as we do in the US, you know, in, in the corridors of Washington, you're, you're often down there and I do the same thing in London. And you, you, I think the one news item that we all saw recently was the A16Z news. Yeah. That was about, I think it was two weeks ago, two Mondays ago. Yeah, it was in the FT, it was in the news. It was, it was obviously amplified, right? This was something that A16Z made some pretty bold comments in their press release that it was kind of, it was bold, it was positive. Yeah. And that's a big statement that they're bringing capital to London. They made a big statement about the talent and everything else that, that was, you know, which is all the, the reasons that we often cite for, for London being an important uh, international financial center. And, and, and they're going to bring people. And so Rishi Sunak, we hear that he's somewhat embracing the breadth of everything from metaverse to tokens, to blockchain, to crypto, to AI, like that's the sort of broader. So he's supportive, of, but he might what use these things in his campaign? I, no, I don't think he would use them, but I think he well, I think he would he would want to make that one of his pillars of re-election. I hey, see. I'm supportive of this the technology the, innovation pillar. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. UK has to be a leader. He made the, he was behind the statement when he was chancellor way back last April, twenty twenty two. Yeah which now feels like a long, long time ago, it's not really that long ago, um, that UK was gonna be a big crypto hub. Right. And that's that rhetoric has never faded. You have to give them credit. No one's ever said anything against that. And so the word is that he's gonna lean into that as a, as a means of appealing to the now very well-documented six plus million people in the UK that own crypto. Right. And I think he's realizing as, as any sane politician should, that this is it's a constituency you can't ignore. Yeah. It's a youth vote. It's a progressive vote. It's a technology vote. It's a, it's a let's be a leader in the future vote. So, so we've heard this. Now, this, this I think aligned with the fact, alongside A16Z, that over the last few months you've seen Brian Armstrong at Coinbase tweeting about meeting with various government ministers, etc. Uh, the Economic Secretary of the Treasury is kind of one of the key people here who works directly for the for the Treasurer. He, we've met him as, and and he's definitely pro. He's he's pro business. He's, he's sort of pro-progressiveness. Uh, and then you've also got uh, Jeremy Allaire at Circle, who's, who's been, who's been, been out there. making the round. And yeah. it's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Europe in a second, but it's not just the UK, but they are definitively making the UK one of their stops. Now, let's just, let's just uh, we all know, everyone listening, I suspect, knows exactly why, but let's just say it out loud. If you're in the US and you're staring down the barrel of everything that we're looking at, that we've talked about a lot on various uh, recent episodes, you have to, as we have to at Galaxy, think about your strategic options. And you look across the pond and you first land in London and then you think about Paris and then you think about the Middle East and then you think about Hong Kong. And that's sort of the, the, the merry path these days. And Singapore gets a mention these days, but like we can talk about that later. So, yeah. so, that, so that's the gist of the UK. I think that the, the punchline is there's a feeling in London that that's very different to the one in New York. Here we're like, oh, 
I'm so exasperated with this. <laughs> when are we going to see the end of this? When are we going to see some sanity? When can we have a grown-up conversation? I can tell you that we're having very grown-up conversations with the Treasury, but also the FCA. Yeah. I love that we can sit across the table from the SCA and have a really legitimate back and forth on what is this space about? Why is this good for UK Inc? Uh, and we, so we, we're feeling positive now uh, that, that that's being somehow addressed. Now, if they get that right, yeah, that's a, that's a competitive advantage and we all know. Absolutely. It. Very bullish if they do get it right. Yep. Um, there, and and we, we had talked last time you were on the show about HM's Treasury giving all this guidance to the FCA on how to incorporate digital assets and how bullish that was. Is that Have we seen progress on, on uh, that implementation from the FCA yet or is that still ongoing? Is that part of the conversations that you're talking about? I think it's still ongoing, but I, I will say that, uh, and look, we want to be respectful of the conversations we have with the right. FCA, but I will say... Uh, it, it's right to be positive about the fact that over a three-month horizon, six-month horizon, the, the conversations evolved from from some of the more basic elements that we're all used to to something to stuff that's a bit more nuanced. Love that. So we're seeing some movement there. We're seeing a legitimate desire to talk about the things that that are there philosophical reasons for not yeah. wanting to allow that. Like let's talk about. Let's go back to. What is Bitcoin? How does it have value? What about the now mountain of both academic and empirical literature, which tells you that liquidity isn't a problem. Market manipulation is less of an issue than a lot of other traditional markets that are fully regulated. Yep. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's in no small part because precisely as you said, the treasury is nudging. Now the treasury has to be careful. The FCA has to be independent. Wow, lots happening there in the UK. Let's let's a lot more positive, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it is positive. I, the US is, I, I wouldn't say, is super negative. I think it's um, clear. I think we have clarity on this on the uh, the views that say the SEC has on crypto. We now we now know the mask is off, right? And it's yeah. and it's not positive, but it's but you know we're we're doing okay. It's, it's, a, it's known risks. I yeah. Suppose. Yeah. It's ongoing. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's hop across the channel. Let's talk about Europe a little bit. You were just in Zurich. Um, we were talking about that. I love Zurich. I love the fondue in Zurich. Um, what were you doing? Did you, did you get down to crypto Valley, uh, Zug? And, uh, what, what did you see in Zurich? We, we always do. And it's great. It's, it's always great to go to Switzerland because of that. They've just have such a long standing uh, love, uh, and an appreciation for this movement, for what we're doing. Uh, they were among the first to really get the regulations right. A lot of the foundations were set up in Zug. A lot of the cantons, you can pay taxes in crypto. It's really very progressive. And there's a lot of crypto companies down there. Um, so, yeah, we were down in Switzerland and uh, we were very excited. We, as, as everybody who's listening will have seen in the news, we have a big partnership with DWS, yeah. uh, which we're excited about. DWS, trillion dollar asset manager, a real statement of intent um, from a publicly listed uh, and owned 80% by Deutsche Bank, it has to be said, everybody knows this too, um, institution that they are welcoming of crypto-backed products because we're going to start publicly with, with crypto-backed ETPs yep. in the Swiss and the German markets. But then we're going to evolve. We're going to evolve into active products, tokenization. We're looking at the stablecoin space, as, as we publicly said as well. So we're, you know, they're in it to win it. This isn't just a, a little, uh, little partnership. They're not just like dipping their toes or whatever. No, it's yeah. very serious. And Love Stefan that. Hoops, the CEO, if you go to his LinkedIn, he's, has, has been very vocal about yeah. his support for this. And, and we really appreciate that. So he's one of us. Um, so we went with DWS to see some, some key wealth management clients in Zurich. So this is, you know, this is the, as far as I'm concerned, this is the, 
this is the coalface when it comes to this next move of how do you get the next trillion into our space. You gotta crack that mechanism that goes through institutional players, institutional products to brokerage accounts in the biggest wealth management platforms in the world. But you know, Switzerland obviously has its, its big fair share. Uh, and now there's an obvious player down there who's outsized in light of the recent Swiss bank activity of which there's really only one big one left. So we were down there. Now, what I was, we were both, us and DWS were positively surprised on the upside at two things. One, they really loved the combination of DWS and Galaxy, which told us, and I think we always intuitively knew this, like Galaxy, we believe, I think that we have a, a, an important role to play in credentializing crypto and digital assets in the institutional world. That's, that's, that's a big role we play. But there's the other, you have to come at it from the other side, and that's DWS. You know, they're a trillion dollar asset manager have been doing their X trackers ETFs for years. Uh, they're, a, they're a trusted brand, they're BaFin regulated, which is a really, you know, top notch sort of blue chip regulator. Um, and now they're really taking crypto seriously. The two coming together, the feedback we got was, wow, this is what we've been waiting for. Much more than we thought. You know, we were, you know we, we've always been bullish, but when you hear it from mm -hmm. the clients directly, you, it, it's, it's what we all know intuitively. And in some respects, you, one, one, might, one might, as a more libertarian idealist in our world, not want that to be true, but the truth is large pools of institutional money and, and high net worth money just uses that channel and, and, and won't go another way in the short run. So can we get them access to what we're doing through those channels? And so that was super encouraging to hear that. But the second thing that, that I think, I guess, we, I guess we also knew intuitively knew, but was really encouraging. I'm just looking at our, at our block clock here. Yeah. You know, these, these big figures matter. Yeah. 30K matters, 35 matters, 40 will matter. And yeah. we heard loud and clear from, from the biggest wealth management players. They're like, yeah, volumes are quite muted right now. But in no way, shape or form are they uh, sort of backing away from the space or, or wishing to not provide this to their clients. They have every view. And by the way, this conversation happened maybe two weeks ago. So it was before the recent kind of decent move up. Yeah. They know because they saw it in January and they saw it a couple of years ago and a couple of years before that. Like, you, you know, make no mistake, if you're Swiss and you have a bunch of money in a large wealth management player, the chances are someone's telling you about crypto. Yeah. When you've got Zug and you've got Zurich and you've got just the general acceptance socially. So they've been knocking on the doors of their brokers saying, I, I want this payoff and they've had to go elsewhere. So they have this knowledge and they are absolutely they strongly believe that at the point that A, the macro situation turns, we feel like the inflation cycle has been conquered, that the rate cycle has started to go in the right direction, and that we see a bump, which we know all of these things will be somewhat concurrent. Yeah. That they're going to see a super reflexive demand from their big clients, and they're preparing for it now. Which, uh, this is again, we, we were, yeah, sometimes you think you're going to have a hard sell, no hard sell, no pushback whatsoever. Love to hear that. I mean, it's it's they uh, they have a long history, right? Right. I mean, I, when I was in Zurich, it was in 2019. A ton had already been built by then. So yeah, they've seen the story play out. It's great that they finally are. Um, that it's great that they are building now for when you know re demand really really pours in and 
um, you, we, you know, I, I know it will. <laughs> so it will. I think we... And, and you, 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 this is a great segue just into products, right? So we talked a lot about the ETFs. And again, it's yeah. back. It's back in that everyone's... It sort of went away for a bit. We were like, okay, and now it's back. Rightly so. The access, as you said, there's a sort of a next one, which is there is there's this huge multi-trillion dollar structured product market. And I've, I've mentioned this before, and I, I just think I have to mention it again because the traditional... Traditional brokerage routes allow for just about any payoff structure on any asset very easily in a bankable security that goes through into your brokerage account. Super easy uh, and really liquid and actually a great market to be in as a market maker and as a service provider. So there's VIG in that market. We, we know that that hasn't been cracked you know, there's you can get your stru your structured products payoffs, and obviously there's DeFi mechanisms, which is really exciting to do that now. But if you really want to do it through that CFI route, it, it's still not there. That what what we're excited to see is more than green shoots now. I sort of I mentioned it last time, but I'm I'll, I'll up the ante from green shoot to oh, seeing a little bit of like some sprouts, little sprouts there. <laughs> this is like oh, this is exciting. Nice, and it's growing, and you can see it moving on a scale that's not measured in years; it's more in months where we're going to get to a point where, and, and we're excited with Galaxy because we're the, we're the biggest crypto uh, derivatives player in the world. So we want to be the provider of that backend risk. Yeah. Have it all, as much as you like. Any directions, any payoff structures, we'll get as exotic as you like, but someone needs to wrap that, that's how it works. Some GSIB type banks, some big credit worthy players who wealth, wealthy people will trust need to wrap that. Uh -huh. And then it needs to be distributed. They, they, they could be sort of different legs. We're now seeing that line of sight and that those conversations That's in Zurich great. kind of confirm that too. So again, this isn't a tomorrow, but it's not a five years from now. It's like, I think 2024, when we see that, that clock hit wherever it goes, but it's going to be 35 plus. Yeah. Wealthy people FOMO all day long. Yeah. This is great going around the world because I've got more questions too about other, other places that you've been. Again, you are uh, head of, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. That's quite a large yes. uh, 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 mandate there. Let's go down to the Middle East and tell us um, what's going on, particularly in the Emirates, right? The various Emirates, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, well known for being um, progressive on crypto and crypto legislation, uh, regulation. Uh, a lot of firms with with business there. Um, you you've been there recently. What what's the story down there? These days? I have been there a lot. I I in the last sort of eighteen months or two years, it's it, it more than I thought. And I, I, I it was not a a jurisdiction I knew a ton about before. And now I feel like really on top of it. it it's uh, they talk you know you talk you, first let's talk about Dubai. That's the place most crypto native people will will naturally assert is a friendly jurisdiction and a, and there's a lot of crypto native activity there without yeah. a doubt you know yeah. you don't you don't have to go far to find friends in our space and that really just remains the case yeah. you know, there's still a, an influx of people there's still i mean more broadly even outside of crypto there's still this this reasonably what well, mass migrations maybe a bit much but there's a decent like consistent constant migration of people to Abu Dhabi and Dubai because of the tax regime and, and just the general quality of living has gotten to the point where people really enjoy living there for families yep. and everything, schooling and healthcare is all there. But, and, and so that continues. And, uh, but from a, from a Dubai perspective, it, yes, lots of firms have moved there, but you have to remember that Dubai, yes, is wealthy, but in the Emirates, the big kahuna is Abu Dhabi. 
they have all the money now like so i you would never discount dubai i always call it it's a bit like the vegas and t hong kong 20 years ago mixed into one it's like <laughs> people who know both of those things would be like yeah that sounds about right it's just got a bright an unbridled enthusiasm and excitement but you know you're starting to see traffic jams in dubai for the first time because it's starting to get pretty big yeah know? but so dubai i think will always be a fixture uh, it'll be a place for people to go. It's a, if, especially if you're younger, that's where you want to go. The smart money, though, I think is starting to realise that Abu Dhabi is is the place to be. Now, if you get on and Google largest sovereign wealth pools of capital in the world, you'll be surprised how high up Abu Dhabi comes in that. I mean, really, you're in the Norway's oil money, China. And then pretty much Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And the thing is, they, like a lot of these states, they have lots of different pools. Now, it's an interesting comment. People often say, what about Saudi Arabia? Well, Saudi Arabia, yes, but 22,000, someone I'm sure out there will correct me, but it's in that quantum. There's 22,000 people control all that money. In Abu Dhabi, all that money is controlled by a very, like maybe a dozen royal family members led by one very powerful royal family member. And so this is a concentrated and therefore very strategic. They can be very deliberate. We yeah. want to do this and we'll do it quickly. So as an example, I was just down there with the world's biggest trader a few weeks ago, Jason Urban, who's on, <laughs> on here before. Uh, um, and we, we went down there and, and the kind of reaction we got when we were going in and, and talking about what we might do in the region over the long term was... It's almost like a game of, 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 of phone. Like we get in a meeting, we tell them what we're going to do. But, but, you know, within two hours, several other agencies and pools of capital and regulators are, are all aware of that conversation and they're ready to come and talk to you. Now, you can't, that's really hard to see that level of coordination anywhere else in the world. Like very quickly, very deliberate. They know what they're trying to do. And what they're trying to do is to ultimately diversify away from the oil. Right. They have to and they, and they will. And they're so... They're quite far down this path now. And one of their pillars is to attract technology companies and to be very progressive in, in our space, in digital assets and crypto, blockchain in general. And so this, this ADGM, which is offshore, has a really like solid regulatory regime. It's based in English law. It's something that, you know, the biggest law firms and the biggest financial institutions could be very, very comfortable with. We're not talking about certain other jurisdictions that I won't name where you're like, oh, I don't know if that's the right one or not. <laughs> this is this is legit. There's no reason not to be in, yeah. in Abu Dhabi. Um, and so that's the sort of, that, that first element. But the second element is just, we, we're seeing the people who are moving there. Like Binance is there. Uh, they have most of their people there. They have hundreds of people in Abu yeah. Dhabi quietly. And look, a lot of people kind of commute from Abu Dhabi, but, but in Dubai, but it, the entity's Abu Dhabi. Uh, but there are there are others, you know, Brevin Howard, who's one of our, 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 our brethren in this space. They've got 130 people that they're building out there. And the list goes on and, and there's more coming. Like a lot of the names I mentioned earlier in the UK that are going through the UK and Paris, they, they will yeah. go through Abu Dhabi. Yeah. You know, there's so many. So often you walk in and you're like, oh, X, Y and Z were here just last week. So it's a well-trodden path for a very good reason. We all get the joke that they're very open. But... That you you have to end on this like the capital the sheer amount of capital <laughs> you cannot ignore and this is this is a broader sort of uh, geopolitical statement you that amount of capital when it's sophisticated and Abu Dhabi is now super sophisticated the old 
statements around, you know, you could fly in and fly out and you'll just get a bunch of money. Like, doesn't doesn't hold. Like, yeah. the, 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 the leaders in Abu Dhabi are educated in the finest establishments in the UK and the US. Uh, they understand what we're doing. They understand the nuances. They negotiate hard for good reason because they have the capital and so they should. But it, but they have influence. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just look at what's going on with Neom in, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, like, we'll get, well, we'll just build a, a ski resort in the middle of, <laughs> uh, of the desert. Or we'll build a 150-kilometer-long city. And, you know, they're going to do it. I love that city. They're going to do it. The, the line. line. Is, isn't it just the best concept? Yeah, it's let's crazy. Let's just build a straight line. Of, it's just beautifully huge what a, of an what, idea. Yeah, such wonderful hubris. But then right. you go back to, you know, I remember 2006, 7, 8, when they were talking about building the Palm. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's just You're bananas. right. People thought that was absolutely crazy. I did. I was like, well, that's just Now nuts. I just go on Google Earth and I look. They got the whole, they got the world it. one, too. That's like yeah. the Palm. They got two, two palms. palms. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, it's really cool. It's and so they follow through. They and, really and, did. Yeah. And now they've got the intent. They've learned from this. So don't be surprised on a 10, 15 year horizon that there'll be more of this. That they'll be buying into more companies, yeah. attracting more. And I think the smart money is leaning into that. Oh, and the last thing I should talk about is mining. You know that this yeah, is yeah. public. They they they've got. You know they look they they they've obviously got the oil, but they've also got the sun, yeah. <laughs> and lots of it. And they've got lots of space, and everything's state controlled in a in a in a commercially sort of positive way. So they've got cheap electricity. Yeah. And and so it, it it's to them it's just a sensible commercial equation. Well, in that case, I'm going to set up a honking great big mining rig, uh, and that's what we've seen. We've seen yeah. that happen. That's not that's not an aspiration. Yeah. The Middle East is growing yeah. in general in Bitcoin mining yeah. a lot. Um, should see that more of that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, just crazy. I got to get out there. Um, I think you should. Um, it's it's amazing the amount of stuff. And also, without getting too much into the intricacy here, but the the way they've set up in, in I think, in, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, these regulatory jurisdictions and mini jurisdictions yeah. um, is extremely favorable for business in general, right? Very much so. Um, so there's, you know, there's free zones or offshore zones. Right. Which, you know, the onshore zones have pretty decent tax regimes by anyone's standard but the free zones have you know effectively zero everything zero yeah capital gains zero income tax, zero and tax. they have like faster regulatory decisions there and, and sandboxes yep. and stuff um it's but no less rigorous right that's right. the thing no not not shaky not uh, right it's not rubber stamps it's just but it's it's thoughtful and it's um they just work through it yeah, really interesting, man. And and they move quickly. They move quickly, and that that's why I think that's the that's the the edge now. Yeah. You, if you have the capital, but you move slowly, and with plenty of examples of that, then, well, so much for having all that capital. Yeah. I think they've figured out that we need to be we have we need velocity of decision making with our capital. Yeah. And they're already they've seen the results already over the last few years, so now they're just leaning into it. Uh, I think we'll see a lot more news in the next couple of years coming out of there and lots more players moving down there and things like the Abu Dhabi Stock Exchange, which amazingly has attracted some of the biggest listings in the world this year. Crazy. Now, albeit they're very large UAE and, and Middle Eastern companies, but but that still tells you something, you know, like we're, let, let's not call the death of NASDAQ, LSE, et cetera, and, new, and, and Hong Kong just, just yet. Yeah. But let's say there's a new kid in town who's got a bunch of money, who's pretty switched on, who's going to want to be an important financial hub 
on a 10-year horizon, and I, I wouldn't bet against them. Yeah. Wow. So should we keep traveling? Is there anywhere else? You want to talk about Hong Kong a little bit? Uh, tell me about Hong Kong. You've also been there recently. We should. I, I actually Tim's haven't been like, down there in a while, but, but oh, because yeah. of... Uh, because of, of of our proximity, you know, we we, yeah. we we love to partner with our colleagues down in the Hong Kong. Office. And there's there's um, my cursory understanding is that they, the the um, there was a new regulatory regime introduced for crypto there that was uh, a way for exchanges to register officially and offer trading to retail. Um, that is also rigorous, but it has a pathway forward. And apparently, that's been causing a lot of excitement, and people are getting back into it. And and, it, and it's a big shift. Yeah. From just like a year and a half ago, even um, obviously you have the crackdowns on mainland China, but then in mainland China on crypto. But then Hong Kong was was not feeling very welcoming for a while either, maybe along those same lines. But now it ha- is has it flipped? Is that what's happened? Is that are we, is this a durable? Do we believe this is a long a long term durable thing? What What is happening? Well, I think the one thing you have to before, before you. You answer that question. You you have to acknowledge that you're dealing with China, and and therefore, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, and, and and yeah, that just is what it is. But I think you'll talk to our colleagues in Hong Kong and businesses down there, and you're right. Uh, the tail end of and they, their pandemic kind of lasted longer than everybody else yeah. because it's just the way they handled it. We're you know starting to be a distant memory this pandemic, but like for them, it wasn't that long ago that things opened up. Uh, and there was this really like, like, I remember this sort of trudgery at one point of like, firstly, we still can't go out. We still got to wear masks. And secondly, crypto's persona non grata. Like it just went from being a great place to do it to a really not good place to do it. And then now here we are again uh, and everybody's got a spring in their step down in Hong Kong. And you're right, like new. And it's so amazing how quickly these things can happen and shift. It's actually a broader a broader statement on our space yeah like the speed of of things it's not measured in in sort of the quarters and years that and decades that it used to be in the 20th century in tradfi oh well that legislation might come in and change in five years time oh mifid mifid twos mifid one's <laughs> coming in and we're all sitting there <laughs> it's like, forever <laughs> it takes years uh, you know everyone's just preparing for this stuff this, this is like oh well one minute it isn't one minute it's not or yeah. vice versa so yes, there's the there's the various registration mechanisms that are now more tractable and obvious and just more grown up. Um, but I think the the other big news that we've seen, and this is, I think we're still trying to bottom this one out. There's a little bit of speculation on what's going on here, but things like there was a news item recently about Standard Chartered and HSBC and and the the Hong Kong banks yeah. being in some way leaned upon, yeah, encouraged to yeah. bank crypto, bank crypto company, yeah. Now that. Uh, uh, just that isolated fact alone stands Hong Kong out from just about everywhere else. Almost, yeah. You know, yeah maybe... It seemed like a very strategic, even geopolitical maneuver. Um, you know, at the same time, obviously, as the U.S. was totally. cracking down on bank uh, activity in crypto. Occam's razor, like that. You know, it's probably what was going on. Let's yeah. let's nudge on. I mean, you know what it's like in China. It wouldn't be hard for someone in the Chinese government to give a call to the CEOs of those banks and say, look. You know, we want to be news. competitive. This is a great space. Yeah, just just tell your tell your onboarding people to take a little well, bit of a prohibition of in general. Like I mean, on anything, not just on financial innovation and cryptocurrencies, but doesn't work, right? Typically, if it's something people want, right? I mean, look at alcohol, obviously, right? I mean, yeah. you had speakeasies all across the entire country in the twenties. Like, if people want it, prohibition doesn't work. And and 
so better than if you have concerns about it as a jurisdiction or a nation state, bring it in. Yeah, bring it in. Create a sensible rulemaking to to you know regulate and protect consumers, etc. But also give you insight into it. Right? Why not yeah. have it there? And it, it also looks to me like if I'm um, really any American adversary or or even I don't even say adversary, but a, you know um, competitor. Competitor. If I see something that the U.S. doesn't like and is perhaps threatened by, I'm instantly looking into that. Right. Right. And if it if it looks like that um, the U.S. jurisdiction is going to be hostile to crypto for whatever reason, that that's a wedge that they may have that they can gain an advantage on yeah. us. And I think everyone knows this. Um, and it's just crazy to see it happen so quickly because, again, we were talking – I mean, I was already at Galaxy in the summer of 2021 when the Bitcoin mining ban happened yeah. in China, and it was a totally different environment. And that was out of nowhere too. That was yeah. the same thing. Like, wait, what? And, it, what? and they never really fully banned it. We found, we later yeah. found out. But I mean, like, you know, still, it, it seems like a very different regime. And even recently, there was this paper in China uh, that was uh, released, and I am more than a novice on um, like the the hierarchical and government structures in the Chinese government and society. But apparently. Um, in a, a sort of a government-sponsored technology journal, a big supportive right. Web3 policy paper was put out. And I'm told that that really wouldn't have happened. It's not that they would have put out bad stuff, but it's like that that paper probably doesn't come out if there's not general enthusiasm and at least acceptance to be looking into it, let alone possibly even becoming a leader in it. So We know this to be true, right? Like you don't get it. You don't do that and get away with it if 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 it's not sanctioned in some way. But I think you're like the theme you're hitting on is is the theme du jour outside of the U.S. In my opinion, it's wow, look at what's going over in the U.S. That looks tricky. Uh, if you look at your little your little uh, progressiveometer of of the U.K. of various EU states with with Mika coming in with Switzerland with Abu Dhabi, Dubai with Singapore uh, with Singapore to some extent, which we're, we're hearing there's a thawing. Uh, that's worthy of quick note yeah. that a couple of shops that have been in the queue waiting for Singapore to come through. I think Circle might have been one of them, if I'm not mistaken. But it's in that in that level of sort of large global firm uh, is getting the licenses of, that they applied for uh, and Hong Kong. Like, w wait a minute, they're, they're all kind of in general positive, neutral to positive. Yeah, more positive than neutral at the moment, and definitely more positive than the U.S. And definitely more positive. Yes. Now that's the rest of the world and most of the world. That's what I'm saying. That's no, it, it, these are not backwater states. These no. are like primal, like global financial centers and, yeah. and, and, and legal centers and, and thought leadership, intellectual centers. These are, right? I mean, it, I'm not going to pick a random country to dunk on here, right. but it, it's not some <laughs> tiny little random jurisdiction. These right. are major, major places. And that's when you just have to sort of, you have to realize that, you know, whether it's regulators or American policymakers, like you understand when you're in your day to day, you can get myopic and it can be hard to step back and see a greater picture. And frankly, maybe seeing a bigger picture is outside your mandate. Right. But it's one of these things that's upsetting, because if you do step back and look at the bigger picture, we're the exception. It looks that way. Role. It looks that way. And, and it enters into a, a, a debate around what what is everyone trying to really do? Because if you look at, for instance, back to where we started in the UK, well, the, the, the answer is clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to promote uh, a, a pathway 
a, a, a grassroots movement from universities all the way through that produces talent that allows this yeah. to become a, a humming industry and a driver of economic growth in that jurisdiction. It's Simple. really black and white. Yeah. Like, like that, that's, that, that's been done before. Competitiveness and yeah, yeah. entrepreneurship, business. No question it, about it. It's a, it's, and that's a sensible policy. And, that's, and, and I think that feels the similar vibe across the rest of the world. But what, what are we doing here in the US? It, like that can't be the, the, the objective function. Yeah, I mean, Otherwise we've got we wouldn't the, do it this we've way. We've got the primary financial services regulator just basically suing everyone in courts all over the country. Which, by the way, I pointed out recently on, on Bloomberg TV, like that's a risky strategy for the SEC also, which yeah. is crazy. I mean, because the no matter how good your case is, like going to court is a roll of the dice. Like, so like it's a statistical when they could situation. they could have done what like the FCA has been starting to do and what and what MAS and others and and, and then Europeans like like get folks together and have a yeah. rulemaking conversation and develop something that that works for both sides and achieves your goals. Like that's something where you can actually as a regulator, by the way, assert your authority, have control, get an outcome that makes sense and supports capital formation. Like who knows what's going to happen in these court cases, right? right? Even the SEC doesn't know. Theoretically, like the 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 rulings could be so bad that their authority is significantly hampered. Eroded. It could yeah. actually like backfire on them for all we know. I mean, it's, it's a real it's, it's a real potential a, outcome. Yeah, isn't it? strange like reckless kind of strategy, in my opinion. That that. Um, and you, you mentioned know. prohibition. Yes, it's it's. Uh, what do we now know for sure doesn't really work in the long run? Might work in the short run. Is prohibition and regulation by enforcement yeah. rather than progressive engagement. And look, I, you know, since I started a galaxy almost two years ago, it, it's a different, it, it's, 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 I'm sanguine because I look back to that and I think, wow, we're, this is a better place. Yeah. Look at the things we're doing, which we weren't doing two years ago. Look at the number of people that are definitively engaged in our space and aren't going away. And look at, look at that price and look at the fact that the, the leverage is out of the system and there's all this institutional money on the sidelines. And now there's jurisdictions that will allow that to come in. You can't help but be bullish. We've always got to be careful. Let's not drink vast amounts of our own Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. But I'm here to be a bullish, uh, you know, a cautiously bullish, bullishly optimistic message. Well, my friend, today. Tim Grant, our man, uh, uh, where in the world is Tim Grant? Thank you for that, <laughs> that journey around the world, Tim. And great to have you on Galaxy Brains. As always. always a pleasure. Look, look forward to the next one, brother. That's it for this week's episode of Galaxy Brains. Thanks to our friend Bimnet Abibi, as always, from Galaxy Digital Trading. Hey, and thank you to our guest, Tim Grant, Galaxy's head of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Tim's a bona fide rock star. That's him you hear shredding in the background. Uh, this is from two weeks ago, a concert he did in New York. So we'll let him play us out this week on Galaxy Brains, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.